What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's be honest about Sunday's game at Akershore Stadium. Yes, yeah, should beat the New York Jets. The Jets aren't a very good team, but the Steelers aren't a very good team right now either. Yins believe the season could be saved. I don't. It's not just a one and two record, it's how the Steelers look. It'd take a dramatic reversal on both sides of the ball to save the season, it'd take an overhaul of the offensive approach. It'd take better quarterback play by whoever. It'd take better running back play by whoever. It'd take Cam Hayward beating the double teams created by T.J. Watt's absence and again being dominant. It's about Watt coming back sooner, not later. It'd take all of that, all of that, and a few more tweaks too. What are the odds? What are the odds? Yins think you put Pickett in and it saves the season. Yins think, what's Tomlin waiting for? Yins think, replace Canada, but it's not that simple. And Tomlin isn't going to make any of those changes. My plan is still to play Pickett after the bye week, when they're 2-6 and six or 3-5. and five. Don't expect Pickett to be a savior. Just put him in a situation where the pressure is kept to a minimum and he can improve for the long run. Forget about now. Right now is done. It's over. No playoffs. Forget it. No winning season. Forget it. Now it's about the long run. Even though they're one and two, and like Batco said, I've seen some crazy results. I think the Steelers got all the crazy results they have any justified to expect the last day of last season. This segment brought to us by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet now from anywhere. That is Bet River Sportsbook online. I love that. Bet now from anywhere. It stirs my manhood. Yeah, uh, this season ain't going to be saved. They're only one and two. Yeah, anything can happen. Yeah, but it won't. Uh, Buffalo lost to Miami. So now maybe the Steelers could beat Buffalo. Don't lie. That's what you're thinking. Or maybe Miami's really good and they'll kill the Steelers. The Bills assisted through that fit. Did you see it in the booth on camera after the loss? It was hilarious. Hey, at least he cares. Uh, The Jets have a bunch of injuries. We talked earlier about three offensive tackles on injured reserve. Their one linebacker got carted off uh, this past week, Quincy Williams. Zach Wilson is going to be back. It looks like. So that'll be a big upgrade at quarterback. Uh, Joe Flacco, having started all those games against the Steelers, notwithstanding. Uh, This past week, all the AFC North teams besides Pittsburgh won. Baltimore beat New England. 
Cincinnati beat the Jets, and of course Cleveland beat the Steelers. Denver beat Seattle 11-10. What a game. Jimmy G dropped back out of the end zone for safety, just like Orlovsky did years ago. That takes some of the heat off Orlovsky, I guess. Anyway, you probably beat the Jets at home. Come watch the game with me at the Polish Club in Wampum, PA, home of Dick Allen, who should be in the Hall of Fame, former American League MVP. So you should beat the Jets, and then you probably lose four in a row. I'm interested in the Udoka situation. The Boston Celtics suspended their coach for a year because he was committing adultery with a Celtics employee. Consensual sex, no harassment, etc. Just good, clean sex. Yo, it's their personal lives. Why is that the organization's business? Why is that anybody else's business? And it happens all the time everywhere. Government, employers, I beseech thee, stay out of our personal lives. Uh, talking about holes, he hit home run number 700. The fan who caught the ball kept it. If you'll remember, Aaron Judge hit number 60. And the, the kid who caught it, this Rube college student, gave it to Judge for a bunch of signed stuff in a personal audience, which, as I mentioned, McGuire would not deliver for home run ball number 70 way back when. So... The guy kept it and got $3 million for it, which worked out pretty well for him. But you talk about giving the ball back to the guy being the right thing to do. Aaron Judge should have dropped some cash on the kid who caught number 16 and gave the ball back. That's also the right thing to do. Why do poor people always have to do the right thing and the rich don't have to pay up? Uh, but anyway, a few members of the media, like I said, Max Kellerman got heat because they implied that Pujols is using steroids. Yo, how can you not suspect it? Pujols is 42. He had 17 home runs last year. Just six home runs in 2020. And now Pujols has 21 home runs and 291 at-bats. So how could you not wonder? Even though I doubt it, I don't accuse, but I do wonder. But this is what I mean when I say that Major League Baseball has no home run records anymore. Not really. The steroid cloud won't ever go away. Not really. 412-333-WXDX. Going to talk about fighting and hockey later. That exhibition game Sunday with the Penguins. This kid, uh, Jamie Devane for Pittsburgh, who won't make the team, just knocked Ben Harper from Columbus on his ass, and it, it looked real bad for a second. Just another advertisement for getting rid of fighting in the NHL. Oh, and uh, the Penguins power play. I mentioned they got killed by, Saint, by Detroit's third string in exhibition play last night. The power play was 0 for 9, and the first-team power play was out there, 0 for 9. But what they made up for not scoring, uh, what they lacked, excuse me, by not scoring, they made up for by allowing a bunch of shorthanded opportunities. Let's go to Kevin. You're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, afternoon, Super G. How you doing? Hey, uh, two quick things. Um, how many other uh, coaches to have a five-year starter that they're saying it's improving? That's insulting to us. Just tell me he's not playing good. And the uh, well, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not you. Don't get to come on and do a monologue. In fact, I'm hanging up on you now. You don't just get to come on and just rattle stuff off. Uh, Mitt, you know, I think what Tomlin means is that Mitch Trubisky's improving within the context of him being in his first year with the team and in this offense. I don't think he is. But what else is Tomlin supposed to say? Tomlin 
isn't at fault for all the horsemen or he spews at his news gatherings. We are at fault for listening and for parsing every word like it's a lost book of the Bible. Let's go to John. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. I agree with you that the Steelers should wait until after the bye to start picket against New Orleans and avoid that tough stretch with Buffalo and Tampa Bay and all that. Let Kenny learn while he loses and then draft Andrew Voorhees from USC, 6'6", 330, left tackle, everyone's best lineman in the country. And uh, as long as they're in the first eight picks, they should get him with all these quarterbacks that are going to be taken early next year. What's well, what the Steelers need to do is win four games, but they never see it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose. I think I think they should just beat the Jets and that's it, and then guarantee themselves the number one pick. And then yeah, get but a what, what they're what they're going to do is what the, see. There you go again. You're talking over me. Goodbye. Me show, not the you show. Me show, me show, me show, me show, me show. Uh, but the Steelers, they just want to try to win the next game. That's the only thing they look at. It really is the only thing they look at to try to win the next game. Although by laying off Pickett. And keeping going with Trubisky, maybe that belies that philosophy just a little bit. That said, I think they believe in Trubisky. And I'm not so sure they're wrong in doing so, at least at this early stages. Like like a guy like Brian Batko, and Brian's a good football writer, but he says, well, you get crazy results, anything can happen. Well, okay, well, maybe Trubisky can start playing better too. Start playing real well. I mean, like, you know, you, you can't just just single out this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. Oh, wait, you got to do this. That wouldn't be crazy. If it's random, then it's random. I don't think it's random. 412-333-WXDX is the numero to call. I can't wait to see the Pro Bowl flag football game. I can't wait to not see the Pro, foot, the Pro Bowl flag football game. Oh, i got to shout out to Bugsy Malone, Ryan Malone. He was on plugging his uh, charity deck hockey event for the Pittsburgh Warriors. That was Saturday in Collier Township. I was there pretty much the whole day. Colby Armstrong, Tyler Kennedy, Neil Walker, former Dallas defenseman Stephen Johns, great guy. Um, uh, Greg Malone, uh, uh, Papa Bugsy was there. Just a great time had by all. I enjoyed it thoroughly for a good cause. And the championship game was 10-9. 10-9, Bugsy's team won. He was playing goal. Oh, you got to believe it. He was playing goal and made a big stop at the end, too. 10-9. How often does the goalie make the big save to preserve the 10-9 win? Like we were playing back in the 80s again. Uh, Rihanna is going to be the uh, halftime performer at the Super Bowl. See, that's a good move. If you get a classic rock group, those people are already watching the Super Bowl. Rihanna brings in maybe some more eyes. 412-333-WXDX. Uh, Mike DeFable at the bottom of the hour. It's Mark Madden Show 105.9. The super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listen. VX at 105.9. Listen to these numbers. The NFL games, all the games televised, have averaged 17.2 million viewers so far this season, averaged 17.2 million viewers. The 19 most viewed shows on TV since the start of the NFL season are all NFL games. Nothing else. 
football has America in its thrall, which it has for some amount of years now, but still, that's crazy. Uh, did you see, I don't know if it's a 30 for 30 or if it's a ESPN film, same difference, I guess. They have a movie out now on the Yankees-Dodgers rivalry. If you didn't need reminded again by ESPN that all that matters is the big media markets, well, there you go. They reminded you again anyway. A Yankees-Dodgers rivalry film. Uh, Just like the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. What was it? 19-part? No, three-part, I think, 30 for 30. What about a, a video on the Penguins-Flyers rivalry? Oh, no, that doesn't count because it's just Pittsburgh. But that rivalry rivals any rivalry. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. I am live from fabulous Las Vegas. You know what sitcom I've been watching some? Uh depending on what time of day it is and you know if, it's, if I'm flipping through TBS is Two Broke Girls which had what a six or seven year run and was relatively popular you know what I've noticed about Two Broke Girls that makes it kind of unique it is non-stop and I, I do mean non-stop it is non-stop set up line punchline set up line punchline set up line punchline sometimes set up line punchline 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 it is just a non-stop barrage of jokes. And usually to good effect, I don't recall any other TV series that was written quite like that with non-stop jokes, but, but that's what it is. And it was on the air for, what was it, six or seven years? So it obviously had a, a pretty decent run. And, and the girls are attractive, but they're non-threatening. That was the one thing about Friends. Yet, you, you know, these these six friends and the three girls were all phenomenally good looking. Like they just happened to to uh meet up. Courtney Cox, uh Lisa Kudrow, and Jennifer Aniston. And Jennifer Aniston's love life was always in shambles. Well, actually, with most beautiful people, male or female, that very often does turn out to be the case. Four one two three 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 WXDX is the number to call. I don't know what else to say about the Steelers. I I thought the Cleveland game was make or break just because they lost. I'm not going to reprieve them on that. But if they don't beat New York, and I think they will, they're favored by three and a half, but if they don't beat New York, then you're looking at a four or five win team. You might be looking at that anyway. And I know Brian Backo doesn't think they're going to lose all those games in a row to uh, Buffalo, Tampa, Miami, and Philadelphia, but I think they will. I think the Steelers score so little. And uh, three of those four teams score so much. I think Tampa Bay, with all the injuries they have, I mean, they could heal up by them, some of them, the receivers, but but they might have a chance against Tampa because it's in Pittsburgh and Tampa is a good team but not burning it down right now. Then again, maybe playing the Steelers is just what the doctor ordered for Tampa Bay. Uh, this past Sunday marked the anniversary of the death of John Bonham, the Led Zeppelin drummer. We're going to talk about that a, a bit later. Going to rate the top drummers in history because it's got to be better than talking Trubisky, Pickett, in Canada all the effing time. Uh, this Lamar Jackson, we're going to talk to Frank Schwab about that at 
at at 530. Number one in passing TDs, number one in passer rating, number four rusher, number four rusher in the NFL. What a crazy start. And uh, I know Pittsburgh's always done good against uh, Jackson, though. They seem to sort him out. You got to make him make quick decisions. That's what you got to do. You give him time, his instinct will figure something out. 412-333-WXDX. Up next, we're going to talk football with uh, Mike DeFabo, newly of The Athletic, here on 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. Hashtag best in the world. You are the super genius. <laughs> I'll say. And then some. The X at 105.9. He joined us frequently to talk about the Penguins when he worked for the Post-Gazette, but today he is here in his new capacity as a Steelers beat guy for The Athletic. It's a pleasure to welcome to the program Mike DeFabo. Mike, before we talk Steelers, uh, do you understand that you have left a job where you cover a bunch of good guys and went to a job where you, well, don't? Has that manifested itself yet? Well, see, I was hoping the Steelers might get rid of Matt Canada and move on to uh, Mike Sullivan uh, as the play caller. That might make me feel a little bit more at home. Uh, that, but that's definitely a different a Mike Sullivan. Yeah, I, I thought maybe... Oh. Maybe out of out of habit, uh, I might just start talking about the Penguins' power play woes last night during their exhibition game. But uh, happy to talk about any Steeler questions you might have as well. Well, yeah, 0 for 9. Maybe you're in the right place after all. Uh, hey, I, I want to talk about Watt's absence and the effect it's had on that defense because that's supposed to be an elite defense, but it's had two sacks and, uh, and only the one takeaway since Watt was injured. Is the connection to the success of the defense – that direct to T.J. Watt? Well, he's certainly a very important piece, and there's a reason why he's the highest-paid player on the defense. And when you look at an edge rusher, it's really a ripple effect. So not only is he uh, you know, on the plays, making negative plays, having those sacks, but then you see guys like Alex Highsmith, they benefit from that, Cam Hayward, Shirley, other guys on the line. And then there's a ripple effect down the line where uh, in the secondary you have to cover much longer. So you know, he's just one player, but he's such an important piece. And so absolutely the Steelers defense is hurting in a big way without TJ Watt. And and it's difficult because coming into this year, I think if there was any optimism for the Steelers, a lot of it was going to be that they were going to find a way to absolutely dominate on defense, turn opponents over, harass quarterbacks, and then do just enough offensively to get by, maybe manage the game, maybe hang on to the football. But when you aren't turning opponents over and you don't have a suffocating defense and they go from from a great defense to, I don't know, a good defense, maybe even a little bit uh, lower than that against the Browns, especially on the ground, uh, you don't have the same formula. And uh, it, it makes you know you, your, your hopes of winning with a game manager under center a lot less uh, optimistic. Well, you make a good point about the trickle down on defense. And I think the evidence of that is Cam Hayward, who's been as quiet as I can remember uh, since Watt got hurt, he's absorbing all the double teams, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's a, a well-respected guy in the community and within the locker room. He's had a lot of great seasons for the Steelers, but uh, he was definitely not very good against the Browns. He was getting really pushed back a lot on those double teams. Um, and even himself, that he kind of joked, people were asking him about the Pro Bowl, going to more of a skills competition. He said, I'm going to have to play better if I'm going to show off my skills. So he acknowledges it, that he's got to be better. And, and collectively, as a unit, they've got to be better, especially against the run. Now, Alex Eismith has picked up the slack. He's got four and a half sacks, which currently leads the league. What's the secret to his success right now? Well, 
I think it's it's interesting now the time because you could say before you would say, well, he's just opposite TJ Watt and he gets to work one-on-one. And so now this is really a telltale time for him, I believe, with TJ Watt out to prove that he's more than just a byproduct of playing on the opposite side of TJ Watt and that he's a very good player himself. Uh, I mean, I know the Steelers had high hopes for him when they drafted him, and I believe that went into the decision to let Bud Dupree ultimately walk uh, when they did. Um, and and now is a great chance for him to do it. So he, he does have some nice moves. Um, he kind of keeps it simple. He gets up the field, gets the quarterback. Um, and now, you know, I'm really kind of curious to see how it unfolds for him when he isn't, uh, when he doesn't have the benefit of TJ Watt drawing all that attention from him. Well, and now that he does lead the league in sacks too, I mean, people are going to hear about that, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you go from getting this one-on-one, uh, you know, blocking, um, to now they might even send guys his direction. So absolutely, he's going to definitely see uh, a lot more attention in his direction. And, and now it's a matter of can he still produce those same results when, when it's going to be a lot more difficult for him. Now, uh, switching out Alualu for Montrevious Adams, the new starter on the D-line, that seems very singular and random. What's the thinking behind that, Mike, and what is going to result from that? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Everyone was clamoring for change, and then the one big change on the depth chart was to the nose tackle. So, um, I mean, Tomlin was, was pretty straightforward with it. He just said Montrevious Adams is playing better than Tyson Alualu, and I think it's significant that that came after Nick Chubb rattled off 113 yards and uh, was really the force that controlled that game. So I have to figure that a lot of that had to do with the run defense and, and the fact that Alualu wasn't getting off blocks as much as they would have liked to he wasn't uh, the consistent force in the middle of the defense that you need from the guy playing that position. So, you know, maybe some of that is just simply Montrevious Adams is playing better, deserves more snaps. Maybe that lights a fire under Tyson Alalo and he comes back and responds because, you know, he has shown throughout his career that he has been uh, pretty consistent on a number of different occasions. So now it's a matter of him getting back to that and kind of playing to his potential and playing like the guy the Steelers are used to having. Uh are the Jets a threat on Sunday? The Steelers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm not sure they're quite as bad as they usually are, but I understand that's not a ringing endorsement. They've had some injury problems, too. Yeah, they absolutely have. I mean, when you when you think of the Jets, just the name um, alone conjures up some bad feelings of butt fumbles and other uh, hilarious miscues, but they are a little bit better. One of my big questions is just, um, you know, they, they're starting Zach Wilson, who has just 13 NFL starts to his name. He was just a one-year starter at BYU. So he's rather inexperienced. And traditionally, when the Steelers face a team like that, that's when they would really pin their ears back and show all these exotic looks and really confuse a young guy and make his life miserable. And to add to that, uh, the Jets have major injury concerns. They have three offensive tackles that are injured right now. So, um, now, you know, my question is, will they still do that without TJ Watt to bring our conversation full circle here? You know, is this still the same dominant defense that, that makes uh, a guy like Zach Wilson wish he hadn't rushed himself back to play week four and wish he would have just taken the extra week of rest? Um, you know, I think that that's going to be a, a big determining factor in this game is how much pressure they put on Wilson after failing to do well, so. Well, especially, Mike, uh, for, forgive the interruption, but, but you know, besides Watt not being there, the Jets have three offensive tackles on injured reserve. If the Steelers' pass rush is ever going to get close to what it 
was with Watt, it, it's got to be Sunday, I figure. Right, absolutely. And, and you wonder where maybe the pressure might come. Um, they've actually, one of the, we've got some fancy stats at the Athletic, and they, they, the Steelers blitz four times more with Watt off the field. So clearly, you know, one thing that was great was with Watt, they were generating the pressure with just their four-man pass rush. Um, but th- they clearly recognize that that's not going to get the job done. So uh, they've been blitzing about 28% of the time when Watt is off the field compared to about 7% with him on the field. And so, you know, I, I wonder if that continues, whether they continue to. We've seen uh, a lot of them bringing, like, the nickel corner, uh, that guy off the edge, uh, and some other guys to kind of overload the offensive line and confuse them. Um, I wonder if it'll be the same formula against the Jets and, and if they'll actually have the results that they're hoping for there. We're talking to Mike DeFabo. He covers the Steelers for The Athletic. Uh, you're listening to 105.9 X. Mike, uh, cliche question time. I'm of the opinion that, that there's no way they're starting Pickett as long as Trubisky's healthy until after the bye week. Uh, what's your sense about that? Yeah, to me, that, that seems like the natural time to make a change. Like, look, they're definitely not going to go to Kenny Pickett this week, barring injury. So if you don't do it before the Jets, what you have is a gauntlet coming up. They've got the Buffalo Bills, uh, and then they've got Tom Brady in the Bucks, and then they've got the two undefeated teams back-to-back after that, Miami and the Eagles. So, you know, another way of saying that, they've got the Super Bowl favorites in Buffalo. You've got Tom Brady, who's always a threat, uh, and then you've got – two teams that, that very well could be in the Super Bowl conversation by the time all things are done. So rather than, you know, kind of throwing Kenny Pickett to the Wolves there, I think that week nine, you've got the bye week. You take a step back. That's when there's always the self-scouting. Then I think you make the, the change if that's what you think is prudent. Because an important thing here is they're not going to go to Penny, Kenny Pickett. There's no backpedaling. Once you hand the reins to Kenny Pickett, this is his football team. He was a first-round pick. And he has to take yep. it and run with it from there. So uh, I think that they, they believe they can, you know, cobble together enough wins to, to get Mike Tomlin uh, another non-losing season, maybe even be a frisky team that's in that wild card hunt. Um, but at some point, if the, the offense continues to sputter and the losses pile up, you have to move on and, and start getting your, your rookie guy experience, and you have to start looking to next year um, and, and I agree with you. I think that week nine feels like the very natural time to do that. But you never know. Injuries could factor into that. Or if, if things don't dramatically improve, maybe they do finally just decide it's time to make a dramatic overhaul like that. It, it depends what your goals are, doesn't it, Mike? Because I think if they bring in, in Pickett sooner, it's going to be seen as an attempt to save the season via Pickett. And I'm not sure he benefits by that pressure and if it doesn't work out, that, that's not good optics. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, every way that they've handled Pickett to this point seems that they're trying to put him in positions to be successful and not rush him along. And so, uh, follow, you know, nothing to me, get, I, I have no indication that they're going to reverse course. And all of a sudden, uh, a quarterback that you started third on your depth chart and kind of said you're going to have to prove your way and earn your opportunities to then all of a sudden three weeks into the season change course and move to him I don't see that coming. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to take an injury or, uh, you know, more ineffectiveness before they finally turn the page and look ahead to the future. I'll tell you one thing that's confusing me on offense, Mike, is what's going on with Najee Harris? He seems hesitant, and not like Le'Veon Bell tiptoed till a hole opens hesitant, 
like hesitant to exploit a hole that's obviously there. He's just missing something, ain't he? Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is injury-related. You know, he had that Liz Frank sprain in the preseason. Uh, He had his foot rolled up on after game one at the very end there. Um, And he doesn't necessarily look 100% in those games to me. So I wonder if some of it's that, that he just doesn't feel completely confident in his body or he's just not all the way there. Uh, I mean, it's also worth saying that the offensive line, while it has improved and doesn't look like necessarily the, the massive weak link that we expected, it's not like they're opening these gaping holes for him. So, uh, I mean, I, I go back to last year, though. Uh, there were so many times when Najee would get contacted behind the line and still somehow turn that into a three-yard gain. Uh, I think he's still clearly their best back, but it's just a matter of finding ways to, to put him in positions to be successful and then for him to to actually take advantage of those opportunities. But, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying here, Mark, that he is leaving something to be desired. We thought that the offense could run through Najee Harris this year and that he was going to be the guy carrying the team offensively and, and helping them play that complimentary football. And, and to this point, uh, he has been a bit underwhelming early on. Uh, the offensive line seems to be playing better. Uh, do you agree Mike, if so, how much better, and who is playing better? Well, I think that they're doing a nice job uh, on the interior. Mason Cole, I think, has done a nice job stepping in at the center position. Um, you know, I, I look at the last game against the Browns. Uh, Miles Garrett is a game-wrecking force, and I don't think I heard his name called once. He had a couple tackles, no sacks, um, you know, a couple pressures, but they really kind of neutralized him, and, and i got to give those guys a lot of credit for doing that. Some of that was individual play. Um, you know, some of that also was schematic. Uh, the Steelers, they used two tight end personnel groupings um, about as much in that single game as they did in the two prior games combined. And, and so they clearly were, were, were scheming things up to try to take a little bit of pressure off their offensive tackles, and it worked. But, um, you know, I, I think the offensive line this week has, has been proud of their performance. You know, I, I think they feel like they've taken strides forward. And, I mean, we thought that was going to be the thing holding the team back. And, and right now you can point to maybe four or five other things that are holding the team back and, and not necessarily the offensive line. So that's definitely a dramatic improvement from where we started. None of the receivers can really get in a rhythm, can they? It seems like they don't get targeted consistently. If they get on a roll, you know, Trubisky or the play calling doesn't play the rush. I'm kind of frustrated on their behalf. Yeah, it's interesting because like a couple years ago, uh, you know, the whole talk was like, well, it's great for the Steelers because they don't have a go-to guy necessarily, but what that means is all the guys are the go-to guy, and you can spread the football around, and the defense doesn't know who to try to take away because if they try to take someone away, then they can go to somebody else. But but I agree with you. It it seems like um, they don't necessarily like I'll, I'll chase claypool had a good quote where he said we have playmakers but we don't have an identity and i think that that's really true when it comes to the receiving core where you know in these third down situations when you need a play who is your go-to guy and who does the quarterback have that strong connection with i don't know if there's an answer to that question yet and, and that's something that they have to get ironed out here uh, i'll also say that the the wide receivers there were times when they let the offense down I mean uh Deontay Johnson had a huge gain that would have been 30 plus yards that let slip right through his hands um Chase Claypool had a a a drop over the middle on a deep pass uh late in the fourth quarter when the Steelers were trying to put together a big drive to tie the score or 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 craft their comeback 
So, you know, they, they've got to be a little bit more consistent and they've got to find some ways to, to establish a little bit of a rhythm there because it, it, yeah, it just doesn't, it feels like for the number of playmakers that the Steelers have offensively in the amount that they've invested in guys who are paid to catch the football, uh, you know, the, the compensation is not living up to the expectations. What's the locker room's feeling about where the season is? Obviously three games in, nobody's going to think the season's over. But are they optimistic? Are they confused? Are they pessimistic? I, I noticed that the offensive guys kind of changed their tune about where the offense has gone wrong. Not too much talk about the play calling, and I can't help but wonder if that came from above. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that um, you know often it feels that coaches, when they have a media availability, they're using that as a vehicle to talk to their team. And Mike Tomlin was, was speaking Tuesday about showing a steely resolve and saying we're seeing improvements. So I feel like from the very top, what they're trying to do is display this attitude that everything's going to be okay. And if they just stick with the process, they'll get better results. Now, how much are the players buying into that? I'm not sure. I mean, I think that there is a level of frustration offensively that the ball's not, you know, they're not moving the football. Um, I mean, Mason Cole did a nice job of taking accountability and saying that he felt like the offense is letting the defense down. Um, but, you know, if, if it continues along this trajectory, frustration will certainly set in, and, and you wonder where things go from there. But, um, I mean, it, it's still early in the season. Guys are still saying, well, it's a, the first quarter of the season. We still have plenty of football to play. But with this gauntlet coming up against those tough teams, uh, you know, you wonder where they're going to be sitting in a couple weeks. Mike, great stuff. Good debut with The Athletic. Fine work so far, and we'll talk again soon, I hope. Thanks for the help. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mark. That is Mike DeFabo, ex of the Post-Gazette in the Penguins, now covering the Steelers for The Athletic. Uh, let's get some calls in. Uh, let's talk about Zach Wilson, the threat he poses. How important a game is this? Do you see the four games after that as a death stretch? Boy, this season is just walking on a knife's edge for the Steelers. Uh, I, I don't know. I think they're in a lot of trouble, but uh, it is early. But I do think they're in a lot of trouble. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. <laughs> Draw the line, a song Aerosmith didn't play Monday. Hopefully they'll play it tomorrow night. Uh, I'm getting a lot of tweets. How come you're not saying how good O'Neal Cruz played? He had a good month. Yeah, they're at 97 losses and they stink. And the season's almost over. Nobody shows up. If nobody shows up, then why should I talk about it? The Pirates are lucky I give them as much exposure as I do during the Bucko Roundup in the second segment every day. And I see people like now they're posting photos on Twitter, the goof with the pirate flag and the other goof who dresses as a pirate. It's a bunch of goofs. It's it's a bunch of goofs that go to PNC Park to throw money away on a crap team, let alone play dress up, do cosplay. Give me a friggin' break. Double M on the X, 412-333-WXDX, I'm live. From fabulous Las Vegas. Let's get a bunch of calls going. What do you say? Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on with Double M. Welcome back. What up, man? 
Welcome back to what? You were out the past two days. I was talking to Tim. Okay, but I'm I'm it's I'm still never mind. What do you want? <laughs> Trubisky's not doing anything. We need to protect Pickett. It's impossible for Mason Rudolph to look any worse in Pittsburgh eyes. Why not give yeah. him this fan of Murder's Row games just as a change and to give him one last shot at, at redeeming himself? You know, the worst decision you can make as a coach in any sport is based on it couldn't be worse. Because generally <laughs> when you say it couldn't be worse, it not only could be, it winds up being exactly that. I don't think three games is a big enough sample for me to pull uh, Mitch Trubisky. Okay, fair enough. And I also don't think the season can be saved. I mean, are you operating on the premise that they can still make the playoffs? Or you could hang up. Let's go to Vitamin P. This should be good. Vitamin P, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, uh, just an observation on the passing game. I mean, I'm no genius. I'm from Blairsville. But listen, ah. you know, Trubisky, to you know where Blairsville is? No, just go ahead. I don't care. What do you want? Uh, all right. Anyway, it, to me, it seems like Trubisky is just not seeing the field. He's not reading. He's not going through his progressions. Yes, he stinks. Pickett needs to play. He would save the season. Anything else? Yeah, the other thing is, is how can you not let a pro quarterback audible? How are you supposed to? Oh, I agree with that. And that that goes for whoever the quarterback is, whether it's a a, a veteran like like Trubisky or a veteran, a Hall of Fame guy like Ben, or even a rookie if Pickett gets in there. If the quarterback sees something at the line of scrimmage that he needs to check off and call a different play – he should have the freedom to do that because it's him that's out there, not the offensive coordinator. That is ego. That is a power grab. That is trying to prove who's boss. Nothing nothing more complicated than that. Do you believe that he's really not allowed to call an audible? I mean, do you think that's the case? Uh, Trubisky all but said that in so many words, didn't he? Yeah. It's hard to believe at that level. I mean, high school it's quarterback hard to believe, Absolutely, it's it's high school crap. I bet I bet college quarterbacks can call audibles, right? I mean, obviously, I I bet Pickett. I'm sure audible at Pitt, and now he can't audible if he plays for the Steelers. What is wrong with that picture? Thank you for the call. Four one two three 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 WXDX is the number to call. Up next, we're going to talk about fighting in hockey. Going to talk a bit about the Penguins and their roster. What's going to happen there as well? Going to talk about the greatest drummers of all time. If you want to talk Steelers, get your calls in right now. Dial 412-333-WXDX. It's the Mark Madden Show live in fabulous Las Vegas, 105.9. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.